What does it mean to be holy? That's our question for today. Um, I asked you guys, what is your craziest, um, what is your craziest animal encounter? Uh, I have several in Los Alamos that I've experienced over the past 20 years. I'll share one of them. Uh, one of them happened in the middle of the night. It's about 12 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock at night. And I could hear my neighbor's dog just going berserk. I mean, just losing its mind. So I wake, I, I decide after a while, I, I'm going to get up and see what's going on. Because this does not sound like just normal dog barking. It sounds like something dangerous is going on out there. So I go out to the side of my house where there's this little uh, alleyway between my house and my neighbor's house. And I go, and I, the dog's just losing its mind right there. And I, I step outside the door. And I kind of walk down my steps, and as I'm walking towards whatever is happening, I can't see it's dark, and I bring my flashlight, it's cold, it's in the middle of winter. Um, I see these two kind of beady eyes on top of the fence between me and my neighbor's house. And at the same time I see those, my neighbor who owns the dog says, Mike, is that you? Because she saw me flip on the porch light. I said, yeah, it's me. She goes, I think it's a mountain lion. And I immediately like ran back into the house because that's, I, I could see the eyes and I was walking towards, I was like, oh man. So I run back into the house and I'm, I'm kind of leaning out the door, talking to my neighbor. It's like, it's a mountain, you think it's a mountain? Yeah, it's a mountain lion and you know, dogs, it's just on the fence right there. She goes, can you call animal control? And I was like, yeah, I can, I can call animal control. So I, I, I just like, I don't, I don't know how to, what the number is or whatever. So I finally find it. Well, in Los Alamos, animal control, at least back then in the middle of the night, is the 911. You just call the, the dispatch. So a minute or two later, here comes the cavalry to my house because they got nothing else better to do in, in Los Alamos in the middle of the night. And I say, I'm pretty sure there's a mountain lion right back here. The dog's still going berserk or whatever. But if you walk right through the alleyway, you're, you're kind of trapped there. You don't want to go through that. So I said, hey, can you, like, it's probably going to be a better position to walk through my house and come to this side door. You can get a good angle. As this is happening, this is when my wife first wakes up. And she wakes up in the middle of the night to see cops walking through the house. Like, what in the world are you doing and what's going on? We get over to the side of the house where they, they can get a better view. The cops have an amazing flashlight. Okay, I'm not Mr. Handyman. My flashlight is like my iPhone. It is not good at all, right? So as soon as they flip on the, the flashlight, this is what they get a view of that's on top of my fence that the dog is going berserk at. <laughs> now, to my credit... The claws and the fangs on that thing were beastly, all right, you know. Uh, they immediately saw that it was a raccoon. It was no threat. That thing was scared to death. Uh, they ended up just shooting it with some pellets to shoot it, shoot it off the, the fence, and it went off and, and did its thing. Now, my family has forever harassed me about my fear of raccoons. One time, uh, they had a possum going through their yard in the front, and they freaked out, and they said, <gasps> There's a possum in the yard. What would Mike Brake do? He would call the cops <laughs> right now. So if you need help, I can help you with your raccoons. You call the cops and we'll take care of it. What, is, what am I even bringing this up for? Sometimes you need a little light on the subject. Sometimes you're afraid of something or you're a little bit unsure and you don't know exactly how to approach or where to go. And if you just had some light on the subject, it'd be so much helpful, so much more better you would walk around with a little less fear. 
we're going we're gonna to tackle this question of what does it mean to be holy? And I want to I wanna hit it from two angles. I don't know exactly who submitted this question or how it came about. We voted on it, and it's the number five most asked questions that we're answering it today. I want to hit this from two perspectives. One is God, this God who is holy. We talked about him creating us last week. You are a created being, created by this holy and loving and awesome God. One of the characteristics of God is that he's holy. Uh, God is a holy being. In the Hebrew, it's uh, kadosh. You'll kind of see that or some version of that word throughout. It means sacred, to be set apart from sin, to be set apart from any other being, to be holy. And you'll see that throughout Scripture. A couple examples. I got a ton of Scripture today. I'm going to try to get through it all. Taking notes might be a good one to write down some of these because it might be helpful to come back to some of these later. It's going to be a little bit more meatier, meatier as far as verses and content because I got a lot to blaze through. Uh, Psalm 71 says, Then I will praise you with music on the harp because you are faithful to your promises. Oh, my God. I sing praises to you with a lyre, O Holy One of Israel. Hanging, and this is out of Exodus when they're building the 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 the, the inner courts of the temple. It says, hang the inner curtain um, or the tabernacle from the class and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. And so I'm not going to do a deep dive into that, but they had this this most holy place that could only be entered um, like one time of year and it was kept separate from everyone else all the time. It was just this most sacred, most set apart, most pure place that they could create in this. So we get this God who is described as being holy. Now, I believe, this is my own belief, but I believe we totally underestimate this characteristic of God. We talk about it all the time. We sing about it. This word holy is not new, but when we actually come to contemplate and grasp God's holiness and what that means, I think we give it a lot of lip service and we don't fully understand. And I will not be able to fully answer this question and justify what God's holiness looks like because I don't think we have any comprehension of it. Just think of that, that throne room scene, right? The throne room scene is enough to say, I can't comprehend what in the world is going on. Lightning is flashing. You got these beans flying around. You got, it's just a, a bizarre scene that we can talk about, but I still don't fully understand. When, when people get a glimpse of God, and we see this sometimes in Scripture, man, it just, it, it, you can tell that they don't have the, uh, the full glimpse of it. One of those is Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet, when he gets a glimpse of this throne room, watch what happens. It says, he sees God, all right? This is in chapter 6 of Isaiah. And he says, in that, in that scene that Isaiah sees, very similar. He says, they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to the foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. This is this wild scene that Isaiah sees. Now watch his response. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. One taste of the presence of God and his holiness was enough for Isaiah to say, I'm dead. 
Like compared to this and what I'm seeing and my frail humanity, I have no business here. I am ruined here. I am done. I am finished. In fact, he, he, he says, I, I am doomed. Why? Because I'm sinful. My mouth, my words, my actions have, I can't even be in his presence. I am done. There's no way I could be with it. That's how terrifying he is when he saw his humanity compared to what? His holiness, God's holiness. He says, I have filthy lips. You know the way I talk? I am among people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. If you see the rest of it, he doesn't kill him. He doesn't wipe him out. He's like, hey, I need to send somebody to go be a speaker for me. Who's going to go? He's like, pick me, pick me, pick me. All right. But you see, he gets a glimpse of God's holiness. And he's like, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm done. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So one sin, one, one, the payment of sin is death for eternity. One, that seems so unfair. But the Bible doesn't back off of this statement. When it's compared to God's holiness separated from sin, one is enough to say, Gone forever. That, that's what the Bible's message is. The wages of sin is death. In fact, it says here, it kind of gets even worse. In Romans chapter 5, just one chapter before that. When Adam sinned, the first sinner, we talked about him last week, belly buttons if you remember. All right, we don't know if he had one or not, any or outie, whatever. Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. One sin made us all unclean. Now you might be like, well, that's unfair. It was Adam, not me. But you know you. You're not perfect. <laughs> all right? We've all sinned, and one's enough. This is where I say we don't understand the holiness of God. We don't fully grasp it because one was enough for eternity. Now, we might be like, well, that's unfair. All right, God, I don't know if I really agree with you on these things. You know, I just, I mean, if I, you know, if I were doing things, I might just kind of, man, God's not, not asking you. He's not, like, he shows up to Job in a whirlwind. Like, could you imagine, like, this, a tornado, just boom, and he's, like, speaking out of a whirlwind to him. Like, what are you, you going to say to that? Uh, I think if you, no, imagine the power and the force and everything that's going on there. If, if one of those beings with all the eyes just happened to appear right now, y'all, there'd just be a stain on your seat and y'all'd be gone. Like, you would just be, we would freak out. It's like when we see the bears in the neighborhood, Right? They're so beautiful. We're like, oh, there's a bear. There's a bear. It's so cute. It's awesome. We take our pictures and we post it and all that sort of stuff. But if a bear walked in here right now, we've been, it's beautiful and terrifying at the same time. I'm trying to get this idea. A lightning storm, a thunderstorm. It's beautiful. Oh, there's lightning. If I'm in the Midwest when there's a storm rolling in, I'm like, oh, you just go run outside. And you're like, oh, look at this, until one of the bolts comes close, and then what? You are booking it in the house. It's beautiful and terrifying. The holiness of God. It, it, the scripture does not back off on who this being is. And I just believe that we, we really underestimate 
it. Now, let me tell you why this is good news. Let me give you some good news to this um, and how it pertains to us. This God, who is both beautiful and, 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 and also brings some terror a little bit, a little bit of fear, which, by the way, the Bible says the, the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. When you start to just have a healthy reverence, a healthy awe for this being, he's not just something I give my leftovers to. He's not something that's a second place thing. He's not something that is just a part of my life. He's everything in my life. This God who's, who's so amazing. The good news is that this God who's beautiful and terrifying, he's for you. This God is not against you. He is for you. He is for everyone. He is also, the good news is, he's with you. He has promised to be with you. He is for you. He is on your side. All right, so this is great news. He's a good God. He's for us. Also, this God doesn't need you. All right, I've kind of alluded to that before. You know, just say this with me so we can get some back and forth. It's not about me. All right? We, he doesn't need us. He didn't create us because, like, oh, I'm so lonely and I need this connect. No, he's perfectly fine. Here's the good news. He doesn't need us. The good news is he wants us. Totally different. He doesn't need you. He wants you. This God is described as saying, I want a relationship with you. I don't need you. I want to be a part. I want to have communion. I want to celebrate and talk. I want to guide. I want to do this forever. I want to do this forever. But we've got to understand who he is. The good news is, even though we are sinners, and according to his holiness, only one was enough to justify eternity separated from him, the good news is, instead of sending a judge, he sent a savior. He will, he will judge one day. But before he sent a judge, he sent a savior saying, hey, these guys are helpless. There's no way, no way on earth they can do it. They need something from heaven to come down and save this, to redeem them. Jesus. Jesus said it like this. He says, I've come to save the world and not judge it. So I want us to have a clear picture. When we talk about here, because we're going to talk about us being holy. What does it mean for us to be holy? When we talk about this holiness, we've got to get a, a good, clear picture of this God that we're talking about. And I've done a little bit to do that in about 10, 15 minutes, but I still can't give you the full picture of how holy and awesome this God is. But I want us to have a healthy fear and reverence and respect that we just don't come in here flippantly. We're welcome to come in, but it's helpful to have a healthy awe and reverence of God. What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be holy? There was a second question that came in. This one didn't get uh, voted in, but it's, it's related, and I think it's worth sharing. Someone asked, it says, I've been contemplating Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It says, the Beatitudes are beautiful. God blesses those who do this. God blesses those. That's how he starts out the sermon in Matthew chapter 5. But then Jesus gets pretty well lays down the law. And it says, it makes me question my salvation. Because he plays some pretty high standards up there on like, hey, here's how you need to live your life. Here's how you need to live. And they're high standards. So it says, it makes me question my salvation. It also makes me question if it's even possible to be sinless. 
Is it possible to achieve the high standards of Christian living? This is the question. Can, can I achieve this holy standard of living? Can I be sinful? And I want to take some time to break this down because the answer is yes and no. All right. Number one, and you write this down, to be holy for us. To be holy is to become more like God. To be holy is to become more like God. Not become God, but become like him. God sets the standard. He, set, he is the mark. All right, so he's saying in, in uh, John or in Matthew chapter 5, you are to be perfect. This is right out of the Beatitudes. You are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, dang, that seems like a pretty high standard now, doesn't it? All right, he's setting the mark. He's setting the goal. He's setting the standard to be perfect. Now, when you break this down in the Greek and what it means, it, it has this kind of present tense verb to it. It has this active uh, sense that this is a continual process so this is Mike Brake translation paraphrase here, so take it for what it's worth. But when he's saying, hey, you are to be perfect, another way of kind of breaking that down of way he's saying is like, you are to, to, you are to be continually becoming more and more and more like your heavenly father, okay? So to be holy is to become more like your heavenly father, all right? Second thing, holiness is a process, all right? Holiness is a process. The churchy word for this is sanctification, all right? For those of you who, who went to seminary or whatever. Um, sanctification. I'm going to be, it's a process of growing more and more and more like my heavenly father. Now, John says it like this in 1 John 3, 6. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. There's that idea of perfectionism again, right? That seems impossible. John, you're, you're telling me to live to the standard? This kind of questions, you know, the person who said, I question my salvation. When you read verses like this, it, it would, it would. But watch the same letter that John wrote just before that in John, in John, 1 John chapter 1. So this is the same author. He says this, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Okay, so this is not a contradiction. This is just the Bible. When you look at it, it describes this, this sanctification as a process. All right. I'm not going to go choosing to live in sin. At the same time, I'm not perfect. No one is. We know this, all right? So if you're struggling with this legalistic side of yourself, just breathe a little bit. You're human. It doesn't give us license and permission to sin, but at the same time, um, it's not calling us to that. It's, it's a process. Third thing, holiness won't be fully actualized until death, heaven, until we get to heaven, all right, so this process is going to continue throughout a lifetime. And this is where the rest of Scripture comes in. Paul says it like this in Philippians. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I already reached perfection. But I press on to that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So he's like, I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing on. Now, I know a lot of us who would say, I'm not perfect, I'm never going to achieve perfection. I struggle so much. Why even try? It's so hard. Living, following Jesus is not always easy. Following Jesus many times is hard. He's going to call you to when someone's trash talking you or whatever. He might just whisper and say, 
I want you to love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's hard. I don't feel like it. So why try if I can't even achieve this standard throughout my lifetime? Paul says it like this. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? He's like, if you knew this holy God, why would you even contemplate trying to go and live this lifestyle? You've lost sight of who this God is. If that's, if that's your view, why try? Why try? Hey, I'll sin today because God's going to forgive me tomorrow, right? He'll forgive me. I'll do whatever I want tonight because in the morning I'm forgiven. I'm good. That was me. I was cashing out as a teenager in college. I'm like, that's the way it works, baby. I've, I, I don't know who God is. I, I can, will he forgive me in the morning? Yes. But if that's the way you're living, he's like, you don't even know who he is. You've, you've lost sight of this God and his holiness. To be holy is to become more like God. Holiness is a process. Holiness won't be actualized until death. Seems impossible until Jesus. Holiness is impossible to achieve in this life until Jesus. There was a time when Jesus saw this rich man. The rich man wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus said, hey, if you, if you want to be perfect, if you want to sell all your possessions, come follow me. Which isn't necessarily a thing against having money. It's just like this guy has set something as an idol up and above God. And so he's like, this thing, your stuff, your possessions, your idols. Which guess what? We still struggle with that too, if we're honest. But he, he said, just, hey, you, you, this guy, sell all those things, come follow me. And, and he went away sad. And then Jesus like, hey, it's easier for the rich man uh, to, or a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. That freaked them out because you can tell by their statement. They said, the disciples were astounded. Then who can be saved? Kind of like Isaiah, when they get a picture of God's holiness, I'm doomed. Who's going to heaven? Nobody. Nobody's going to make it in. Jesus looked at them intently. Look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. Humanly speaking, impossible. But not with God. Say this with me. Everything is possible with God. Let's, like, like we believe it. Everything is possible with God. That's what he wants. It's impossible until Jesus. When God sees you and you have a relationship with him, when God sees you, he does not see that. Isaiah sees God. I'm doomed. But he doesn't see that when you have a relationship with Jesus. This is the beauty. This is the good news. Here's a summary as we close out. Romans chapter 5. The result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin, Adam. You remember we said Adam sinned, one sin just doomed humanity? Well, for Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. This is the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross. This is why we sing about the blood. This is why we talk about it every single week, because that one act redeemed humanity, gave everyone a shot. Gave everyone a shot. Back 
to the scene in heaven. The throne room, the lightning, the crazy animals. You got the, the people singing holy, holy, holy. You got the, el- the, the spiritual elders or whatever the scene is that's so bizarre. Right before that, in, in chapter 3, right before John gets this view, Jesus is sharing in Revelation chapter 3 to churches, to the church family, to the church community that has lost sight of who this God is. He goes to one church and says, "You, I know your deeds, you're doing so many good things, but you lost your f- sight of your first love, Jesus Come back to Jesus, your first love. Some of us in this room today, we've been going, we're stressed, we're overwhelmed, we're overworked, we got all these things, and we've lost sight that Jesus is right there with us. You've lost sight of your first love. He goes on to the church in Laodicea. He says, I know your deeds. You're neither hot nor cold. You are this lukewarm Christian. It's just blah. It's just mundane. You're just going through the motions. I wish you were hot, like my coffee, I want it hot, or an ice-cold Pepsi Cola that I could use in this heat right now. I want you to eat out there, but you're lukewarm. It's no, I would rather vomit you out of my mouth. That's what he says. I'm going to spit you out. Some of us, we have gone into this lukewarm. Well, I'm here, God. I made it. I'm just going through the motions. I sang the song. I did this and I did that. And we think God somehow, no, he wants you on fire for him. Remember, Romans chapter 14, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, every knee will bend Every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. That should strike some fear in you. That should get just a little bit of holy reverence in there. Again, this this God, again, he's not asking for my opinion. I'm preaching a hard message today. I don't like bringing hellfire and brimstone But I'm not going to do you justice as a pastor if I gloss over these things. One day, all of your life, all of your, all of your life is building up to this one, that one moment. I would do you a disservice as a pastor to say, oh, you're going to be fine. You do. I need you prepared for this moment. The pinnacle, when you stand before this holy and righteous God, and you got to give an account for your life, and I'm the, helping you as a shepherd to just say, you've got to pay attention. Don't do this thing lukewarm. There are things where the priorities are out of whack in your life, and it won't matter in heaven. When we get this one right, who is God and the holiness? I'm going to stand before him. You're going to live a life of impact. You're going to live one that maybe isn't easy, but it is going to build a treasure for you in heaven. That's what you're building for. And so many of us are so consumed on a thing of this earth. And I'll wrap it up with this. My favorite verse. Well, actually, I got one more other thing. What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be holy? You're going to become more like God. It's a process. It's not going to happen until death. But when Jesus enters the scene, I'm holy. God sees me as holy. He doesn't see that. Being holy is giving God my best. I'm going to give God my all. I'm going to give God my best. Just because the grace is free 
doesn't mean I'm going to cheapen it by living however I want. Don't cheapen God's grace. Oh, he'll forgive me tomorrow. You're cheapening the grace of what he did and the sacrifice he made. And then, oh, well, what about all the rules? We're going to talk about that in two weeks, by the way. What about all the rules? I don't want to follow all the rules. God's got all these rules. I follow Jesus not because I am a rule follower, but not because of the rules. I follow Jesus because I love him. He says, this is how I created things. This is how the, the life is the best lived. I love my father. I want to make him happy, and I want to be in a loving relationship with him. So I follow him because I love him, and he loves me. I trust him. I trust when he says, this is the way to go, that I'm going to do it, even if I don't like it. I'm going to do it. So I'm going to give him my all. What does it mean to be holy? Give him my all. Let's stand with this last verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. This is my life verse, by the way, Romans 1, 12, 1. I plead with you, give your bodies, not just your physical bodies, mind, heart, soul, everything. Give everything you have to God because of what he has done for you. Look on, hey, remember what Jesus did. Do it and remember. Remember what he did? Give him everything. God gave his best, not his leftovers. I am not going to give God my leftovers. Not in my time, not in my finances, not in my gifts. He gets my best. Because of what he's done for you, let them be a living and holy Sacrifice. Think about that. Holy sacrifice. I'm alive, but I'm dead. I give up my life, sacrifice my wants and desires. I'm going to follow him. The, the kind of sacrifice you will find acceptable, acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How do you worship God? You give him your all. You give him your all. Every day, you just try to give him your all. We're going to screw it up. We're going to screw it up, but he doesn't reject you. He's with you. He's for you. He's right there with you to forgive you. But I'm going to give him my all the next day, and I'm going to keep taking the next step and just give him my all. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Just live in however you want. Don't do it. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, then you will learn to know God's will for, your, for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You want to know God's will for your life? Start by giving him your all. If you go part way, I can't guarantee you that you're going to know God's will for your life. You've got to surrender it all. So with that said, with that said, let's pray together. Father. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster. As well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.